Welcome, everybody, to the Steve Jordan Experience. A pleasure to have you here with me today and with my guest, Ashley Mack, who is a doctor of physical therapy. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you, Steve. It's so great to be here. It's uh, a pleasure to have you. It's good to see you again. It's been a couple months since we met each other. And we met each other at the Canyon Ranch Resort Retreat up in Woodside, California, where I was leading a retreat. And you were a participant of the of the experience. You were there with your lovely wife, and she is somebody that I adore, Katie. So if you're listening, hi, and hope you're doing well. Look forward to seeing you again soon. You guys were there, you know, to kind of retreat, to reboot, to find yourselves within nature so that you can pursue well, Katie, a new career position and you a career in your physical therapy. You were, you know, there sharing a lot of knowledge and experience with me during my retreat sessions and with the audience that I was lecturing and educating about your involvement in sciatic pain area. And if you've been, if you've been living on this earth, there is a great chance that you have had sciatic pain. And I am definitely one who have had, who's had it 17, almost 18 years ago, I had back surgery to resolve a very severe back injury. And it was nothing related to do. If you've been listening to this podcast to the head injury I had, it was just being a knucklehead, doing too many crunches and not having a good balance and, you know, promoting too much of the, of the mirror muscles rather than the state, the stability muscles. So I'm excited to share with uh, the audience today your insights on sciatic nerve pain from the science to the application, and then how they can easily use some of your tools and uh, innovations to be able to help themselves. So let's first start with a little bit of your background. You told me that you were a, a competitive collegiate swimmer. And swimming is no small feat. It is one of my favorite uh, activities to do because you well-rounded, it's low impact in certain areas. However, it is high impact in uh, the joint called the shoulder um, and even perhaps the neck. I've had some neck issues and I had to learn to turn my head both ways so that I wasn't always one-sided. So tell us a little bit about that career, how you know some injuries plagued you and then your pursuit into physical therapy. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I was, I was a multi-sport athlete, played football, lacrosse, but I really fell in love with swimming. I really enjoyed the concept of being good at something. And I happened to be pretty decent at swimming. So I pursued that a little bit more. And I actually didn't even realize that I was going to swimming college until I was actually enrolled in college. Uh, if we were to rewind 20 plus years ago, when I had to figure out even what college I was going to apply to, I actually purposely didn't visit or look at any colleges at the time because the weekends of where you're visiting school after school, I was either at swim meets or if I wasn't at a swim meet, I was sleeping. So I didn't want to dedicate any time of trying to travel these three to four hour road trips. So it wasn't until my senior year where I said, oh, I actually have to apply to college. And I knew nothing about what schools I should be like applying to. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And I went into, um, I went into my guidance counselor and my guidance counselor said, I, I went in and I said, I have no idea what college I should be applying to. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. I like sports. I like science. And my friends and my athlete friends, my summer friends would go to this place called physical therapy when they're hurt. And it seems like it was called physical therapy. 
It was called physical therapy. Yeah. That's it's, cool. it, there's this place that, well, actually I'm sure it was an actual clinic clinic, but that they were just telling me that they would go to this physical therapy thing. I was like, I have no idea what that is, but every time they came back from physical therapy, they felt so much better. They swam so much faster. And I said, that seems like a cool profession. So already it was just like, okay, this seems like a cool thing. And my guidance counselor at the time said, well, Ashley, you would make a great physical therapist. And what was interesting was the fact that I'd never met this guidance counselor before ever. So, and, and for me, uh, I'll follow momentum anywhere. So here I have this little push momentum into physical therapy. I applied for physical therapy school when I was in high school. And for you listeners, listeners out there, physical therapy now is a doctorate program, which means that you do four years undergrad and you do three years to receive your doctorate. I actually had the opportunity to apply to an accelerated program. So instead of having to do seven years of schooling, I actually did six. And so already going into college, I was already on the fast track to being a physical therapist. And I, I finally enrolled at Villanova, which is where I went for undergrad. And I looked at the times, turns out that I could actually swim with the team. So I emailed the coach. I said, coach, I'm going to school here. These are my times. Can I join your team? And then he said, practices like August 15th, whatever. See you in practice. I said, great. And so That's that was cool. really my entry into NCAA sports. Like I came on as a walk-on and it was, it was such a great experience. And you know, I have to say I was very lucky to not experience an injury my entire high school career. And it was probably around my sophomore, junior year where I actually experienced my first real injury. What was your, what was your, what was the stroke that you competed in? The stroke that I competed in was distance freestyle. So anything more than a two minute race was my specialty. And when I say my specialty, I meant, I mean to say, that no one on the team wanted to swim races longer than two minutes. So they said, Ashley, go ahead and take these races. Said, <laughs> so what does that look like? Is that like 800 meters? What's yeah. That? So let's see. Um, out here in the U.S., we're doing a lot of uh, yardage work. So it's the the 500 meter freestyle, uh, the 1000 meter freestyle, and then the 1650, which is the mile. So it goes from like a little over four and a half minute race to uh, a 16 to 17 minute race where you're just face down in your head. Um, luckily, I had someone who was counting for me uh, mm-hmm. because if I was counting by myself, I would definitely miscount and mess up my races. So the so the mile, you were able to complete a mile in like 17 minutes, 18 minutes? I think the fastest time that I did was, I think, like 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Wow, that's that incredible. So I've done, I've done miles before. Um, and that was a very big accomplishment and I was doing them under 30 minutes. I was doing them in like 29, 28. And I felt like, Whoa, this is awesome. (laughs) I can't imagine shaving off 10 minutes on that time. Oh, well, I think probably the biggest difference between you and I is just the efficiency standpoint. You're probably much tougher than I am. Um, and so really it was a lot about the efficiency. A lot of times I would say to myself during practice and during races, is, man, I'm in so much pain right now. How can I go faster without putting myself into more pain? And Mm -hmm. that was something that I started to really uh, adopt in regards to um, just how I operate and how I see my patients and my clients is being able to say, well, what is the minimum effect of those? How can we get the most effect with the least amount of work? Because uh, we're all very busy people. There's a lot of information out there. And so to be able to just 
really make things easier and clearer can really reduce the level of confusion that people have when it comes to just just life in general. Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of confusion out there. And uh, it's it's overwhelming. I remember getting into the career uh, of health and fitness maybe 25 years ago. And one of the more common questions at the time was like, I don't know what to do. I, I read this in a magazine, you know, men's muscle, we just call it muscle and fiction. And, uh, you know, th- these, these magazines that were on newsstands, but now multiply that times a million, <laughs> a billion, that information that was in there is on the internet at your fingertips. And again, like you do a Google search on, you know, how to, you know, get ripped or how to get a six pack or how to lose weight. And you look up at the search, like the number, you're going to see like billions of searches on that and information. It's incredible. And so the confusion is magnified beyond. Yeah. It's, it's such a killer. Um, and what I, what I've noticed, and you probably have noticed this yourself as you become a much more seasoned in your career is that, um, is that the things that you provide for your clients becomes more concise, more specific. And you go from having like 9 billion different tools. And then over the years, you realize that maybe 20 of those tools are the most effective. Mm-hmm. And we recognize the, the benefits of the other tools that are out there, but we adopt the ones that give us professionals the, the most amount of impact. Yeah, no doubt. I, I agree with that. And uh, it couldn't be more true. The problem is people are, a, I guess, addicted to stimulation and they're addicted to the variety because we have that at, again at our fingertips and it stimulates your brain. And when you're doing the same thing over and over again, like, again, we're talking about sciatic, like a bridge, you know, or a clam or something where you're activating glutes. And they're like, I just did this yesterday. And they're like, well, and you say, well, you got to do it again. And you're going to keep doing it every day until it becomes efficient and you have no more back pain. You weren't telling your coach, like, coach, I already swam the freestyle. Like I already did the 500 meter. I got to do this again. Like, no, you do the same thing over and over and you tweak it and you find those little nuances that make it better. And the nuances are when you're in the moment and you're focused and your, 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 your commitment and passion is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely, um, things for sure change from a priority standpoint and what really interests you and what keeps you engaged. Um, when I was a college athlete, all I wanted to focus on was swimming fast. Like I, I just wanted to swim fast, not fail school and have a good time in college. So like those were my three major things that I needed to focus on when I was in college. But when you become an adult, like there's so many other things that take over your life. And I definitely see the the benefit of, of that constant simulation to allow you to, to be engaged, but it does get pretty hard. Um, especially when it comes to, yeah, as you said, like when it comes to experiencing results, that consistency definitely really is a very big, important factor. And when we live in a world where things happen so quickly, um, and we're distracted, it's the distractions plus the speed of moving uh, of everything moving, uh, we can get a little discouraged. We can get a little overwhelmed by by either the lack of results or the, ton, the the expanse of information that is out there. Yeah, no doubt. So let's uh, let's fast forward. You go to yeah. physical therapy school. You come out, and uh, you know you have the world at your fingertips. You can kind of go in any direction. Where did you go, and how did you get to where you're at? Yeah. So 
when I, I graduated in 2012, so uh, as of this recording, 10 years of practicing as a physical therapist and my first job out of school. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so blown away. Ten. I, the only thing I've done more than 10 years was swimming. So this is the next thing that was really the, the next milestone. And my first job out of school was working at a physical therapy clinic. And I thought it, I, I think it's a great way for new physical therapy graduates to get started because um, already go in, the clinic already has an established patient base. So you can focus specifically on being a clinician, um, which I think that's a very important part. If you're going to be trying to help people, it's very important that you improve your clinical skills because when you're in school, you only get the opportunity to learn just everything in the textbook, which I think provides a very good sound scientific base. But when you go out in the world and working with clients, um, you're going to see a huge array of people. And so the first year of school, uh, first year of work, I was uh, t- typical, uh, I call it general orthopedics, people who have back pain, people are coming post hip, re- uh, hip replacements, knee replacements. So I got to see an entire gamut of rehabilitation clients. And I thought it was a great experience. Um, I've realized that early on, um, I'm not a very good employee. I'm not very good at working for someone um, just because, and it's not even a matter of, I think I'm better than someone. It's just that I have my own rhythm. And because I have my own rhythm, um, I just want to, it might not necessarily uh, make employers the most happy because I just like to do my own thing. Not to say that I'm not an effective therapist, right? So after my first year, I decided to leave on my own and I actually started pursuing coaching uh, at a CrossFit gym. Um, cause I was really enjoying the fitness aspect of it. I was looking for something when I retired from swimming. So CrossFit was the sensible way, the sensible route. And so I was coaching CrossFit. I was working as a personal trainer. And then I also opened up my own, uh, physical therapy practice, uh, which was in 2014. And at the time, uh, when I opened it up, I didn't bill insurance. So people would actually come to me paying out of pocket and, um, and the reason I chose uh, cash pay or paying out of pocket was the fact that it just allowed me to provide the care that I wanted to provide for my clients. Um, if for you listeners out there, if you use your insur- health insurance, which I've used my health insurance plenty of times, one of the big challenges that physical therapy clinics, when they bill insurance, is the fact that if they're billing it, say um, that it just becomes increasingly more expensive for the clinic to bill insurance. And in order for them to uh, make ends meet, reach their business goals, they're going to have to see a little bit more people than what a typical fit therapist should be seeing. Now, I realized early on for myself that I really thrive off of working with maybe um, 10 to 16 visits of a physical therapy uh, per week. Anything more than that starts to make me a little tired. And when I'm a little tired, I don't get the opportunity to help people as much as I can. And so it allowed me to really focus on identifying what I'm really good at, how I can actually help people. And uh, when I was having people pay out of pocket, I would tell people, use your health insurance benefit, get to the 80 to 90% that they, that I know they can get you to, and then come to me. Because I'm that person who would help people the last 10 to 20% of their full function. Um, but that also turned out that I was the, the last resort. A lot of people would come to say, Ashley, I've tried physical therapy before. I've done all these different things and it's still not helping. You're my last resort. And 
I would, and then I would, I would help them in a, in a matter of a couple of visits. Um, and I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things that I'm proud of, of doing when I'm working with my clients is listening, trying to figure out what is really causing their pain and what their biggest issues are. And uh, not to say that the other physical therapists that they worked with weren't competent, but everyone's kind of put in a tough position, especially if you're overworked. And so years go by. Uh, I actually opened up my own fitness facility in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, which was Hoboken. Really Hoboken, yes. We, remember we talked about it? I lived on 10th and Willow. Oh, 10th and Willow. And they now have a really good pizza place on 10th and Willow as well. Yeah. Where the bar was in Where that area? Yeah. yeah. And I think the bar, the bar is still there as well, which is okay. Um, but yeah, I loved Hoboken. My wife and I, we lived there for five years, opened up my, my strength and conditioning facility and had that for three years. And then we moved out to, uh, to sunny California. So right now mm-hmm. my wife and I, we live in uh, Marin County, so Northern California. Um, and, uh, pretty much when, uh, when the COVID pandemic hit, um, one thing led to the other, it turned out that the best option for my, my fitness business in New Jersey was to actually shut it down. And so we shut it down and I said, well, I don't want to give up on trying to create something new. So then I transitioned just like many other people transitioned to the digital world. And I realized as I was going through this digital transition, it's a perfect opportunity for me to focus on what I happen to be really good at Hmm. and let the other pieces be the let, let the other pieces be addressed by like even more professional people. So I realized that with this digital platform, um, I happen to be really good at helping people with low back pain and sciatica pain. Um, and what that meant was I got to change my image. Uh, my original branding was Hudson River Fitness. And Hudson that what? Was my Hudson River Fitness. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, when I was trying to build awareness for um, low back pain and sciatica, the brands didn't really match up. The brand Hudson River Fitness didn't really match up with sciatica and low back pain. And so I ended up rebranding into, I wanted to be as straightforward. I wanted people when they hear about my website or go to my website, they know exactly what I do. And I am really good at helping people with sciatica and low back pain. And so that's where I transitioned to building the website and the brand, ifixyoursciatica.com, where we really focus on making it so that your sciatica pain, which is pain that goes from your back and can radiate down your leg or back pain, um, go away. And the fact is, is that we are all very busy people. And rather than trying to handle things all on your own and have it take three to six months or longer, uh, you can address this quite quickly uh, through a couple basic tenets that I, I feel like I've been able to fall upon over the past couple years. Amazing. I love that. Um, well, you and I are, are, are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, I don't like working for anybody else. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I have definitely learned that. And it's, again, I, I loved how you how you said that um, it's not because you feel like you're better than anybody else, but you work at your own rhythm and you have a, a you know a certain pace. And I, I do as well. Like I, I don't like to be, I kind of don't like to be told what to do because I, I have to be like kind of in my flow at my rhythm. 
Um, I even don't like working out with somebody. People always ask me to work out with me or this or that. And it just bothers me. Like, I can't do it. Like, I'll do it as a favor, maybe once in a blue moon. And I'm there and I'm like, just can't, I just, it just bothers me. I need to be on my own. I need to do it solo. So uh, that's one way. The other way is I love also helping people with back pain. And uh, I want to share this. I haven't shared this, I don't think, on this podcast before. Um, or if I did, maybe it's been a long time. And I don't believe you know this, but about, oh, 20 years ago, I created a program, trademarked it, called Steve Jordan's Posture Perfect Program. And it was a program. Did I share this with you before? No, but uh, no? when I Googled you before we met, I saw that. And I you saw that. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> and so it was a um, a program that was inspired by someone that would watch me train in New York City when I was living in New York City. I was kind of commuting from Hoboken to 10th and Willow. And then I lived in the city in Hell's Kitchen. And I was working uh, in Midtown there near Rockefeller Center at a very exclusive club. And uh, this guy, you know, was like, I see you using this thing that you're rolling on. What is this thing? And I was like, oh, it's a foam roller. He's like, what do you do with it? And I shared with him. He's like, can I hire you to kind of show me what to do? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I took him through some bunch of stuff and I learned how to use it through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I ended up becoming an educator for the National Academy of Sports Medicine when I moved to California because I had changed the way I trained. That's another story. So this guy, after several sessions, like, you know, I go to health clubs all throughout the the, the city. And he was a, a group exercise instructor, uh, a seasoned one at that. And he said, I've never seen anybody use this. You're the only one. And I was like, well, I believe it, it works. You know, and he goes, you should create something. So he inspired me to do something and to make a long story shorter, I came up with the idea to do Steve Jordan's Posture Perfect program. When I moved to California 20 years ago, I created and produced a program, a video and a manual. And I had two foam rollers that I found a foam company that I was able to get them manufactured and get them cheaply made. Um, One was a three foot, six inch diameter. The other one was one foot, six inch diameter. And they were white. At the time, there was no colors. There was no difference of te- of of density. There were no knobs, no vibration. It was one only kind of roller at that time. And I remember the guy who was the manufacturer of these foam of this foam, and he had a huge foam company. We were trying to think of ways to brand it, how to put like a, a logo into it or something, and he couldn't figure it out. And now everyone comes with a logo. It, I'm just sharing this to like show you how far in advance it was. So I start pitching the the program. I'm selling it to perform better uh, power systems, which are two like big companies within the industry that sell products. It was sold as a kit. And then I got picked up by Men's Fitness and Men's Fitness did a feature article on me, six pages. And I was the first person to bring, and this is the proud moment, other than doing the whole thing and helping people to have foam rolling introduced into a magazine. And again, going back 20 years ago, magazines were where people got their information. They weren't really Googling things yet then. I mean, that's how crazy you think about it. I mean, yeah, Google existed, but it wasn't as profound and, you know, as easy as it is now. So men's fitness did it. And I was the first person in the world to have and I, I challenge anybody, if you want to challenge me on that, look to see if there's any publications like trade, not trade magazines, but 
magazines that are for everybody that had a foam roller in there. And I was the first one to do that. And uh, it's still today a tool that everybody uses and loves to do. And so that was where I kind of, I got my feet wet with, you know, back and sciatic stuff and posture perfect was just foam rolling, static stretching on specific areas and joints. And then uh, what I called um, uh, muscle activation exercises, areas that you like muscles get uh, tight and short and you got to lengthen them. And then muscles get tired and sleepy where I say amnesia because they're inhibited because of the poor posture over time. And that's what I did. And that was my uh, solution at that time for um, helping people with back pain. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. I remember looking at, I was thinking, this is, this is sick. That's, that's what I said when I checked it out. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you. I want to share that. It's again, not, not to brag, but it just, it, it again, it, it's, it's a, it's an acknowledgement one, uh, and a credibility, uh, you know, there's just to show that what we're doing works and it works over time, you know, to have something last 20 years and to have the same thoughts and the, the science or the intention, um, or the systematic approach to doing it. And if it's, if it's around for 20 years, it means it it's, it's sticking and it's not going to go anywhere. Oh yeah. Um, and then Steve, I'm going to give you permission to, uh, to brag all about that. Um, <laughs> Thank you, brother. Permission, but yeah, bragging, that's, that's amazing. It's, it's so great. And I'm sure that, um, that you bringing this to light made it even easier for people like me to be able to see this and implement it into, into my practice. So possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, it all starts somewhere. I didn't change the world with it. Um, but I, I definitely influenced it in a way. And then I'll share this one final note on that. It's speaking of, you know, didn't influence the world is or change the world with it. I did want to change the world because I believed in it very passionately because I saw the results people were having is I went to an electronic trade show in Las Vegas and um, I walked in there and this is a show where you know, people come around from the world once a year and uh, pitch ideas to uh, infomercial co companies or the like. And I had Gunthy Ranker on my radar. Gunthy Ranker was the the infomercial of all infomercial companies. They had the celebrities and they had the you know the 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 the, the Christie Brinkleys and the Claudia Schiffer and uh, and or that's what's her name um uh Cindy Crawford like commercials you know like things that they had and it was legitimate stuff like stuff that wasn't like hokey pokey but like real deal things that you know would work um that were endorsed by celebrities and I went and I was able to get a meeting with them and I sat down and I pitched my idea they were like okay kid you got 5 minutes and I was 27 years old and I just pitched them and or and and I just they were like dumbfounded jaw dropped and they're like wow you're impressive you're very articulate you obviously know what you're doing would you consider doing something else with us because this is a little bit ahead of the curve i don't think anybody's going to be wanting to buy this right now and i was like ah, no um well this is my baby and i want this to come but don't hesitate to call and they did call and i did consult on something uh with gunner peterson on his video core, core secrets uh, they, they kind of, I did a little consulting on that, but, um, yeah, it was cool. Um, so I didn't change the world, but I influenced it in a small way. Very cool. I learned, I learned more about you every time I talk to you and it's <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Thanks, man. I, I, well, you know, you are 
uh, a great listener and you are, as you said earlier, and you are also someone, as you also said earlier, you acknowledge and you encourage, uh, you know, self-promotion or bragging. And it's, you know, listen, we don't do this because we are, you know, we're, we're trying to uh, feel good about ourselves. We're, we're sharing this information to endorse what we're sharing is important and valuable. Exactly. Good. Awesome. So let's go to the backs. So you're yeah. now working, focused on backs and how are you doing that? What were you doing then and how are you doing it now? And has anything changed? Yeah. So when I first got out of school um, and the typical physical therapist will come out hearing about, okay, well, you have back pain, you're going to be going through uh, this set of exercises and stretches. So early on in school, we were already saying like, okay, if this person has back pain, this is the program that they're going to be following. So it was very much like diagnosis. And then here's this exercise, which I think does a very good job of covering about 80, 75 to 80% of people. What I find to be really interesting is, um, well, here's an interesting fact, and I'd be happy to share this source with um, the listeners as well. But uh, I think it's about 90, like a very high percentage, about 90% of people who are experiencing low back pain or sciatica will actually resolve without, with, with, without any specific intervention within about 12 weeks. And that was a, a very interesting t- statistic for me because I would see these people for eight to 12 weeks and I'm giving every single person the same exercise because also early in my career, I didn't have the time to be able to focus on like, okay, well, what are the major problems? And so I would just give these people these exercises that I was taught in school and also taught by my uh, mentors and, and physical therapists um, at the time. And yeah, they would get better or like 90% better um, within eight to 12 weeks. And then they're like, great, Ashley, you're a great physical therapist. I'll see you later. And I was like, perfect, ego boost, right? But then I would have those people, the the people outside that 90% where they weren't getting any better. And I would ask myself, like, why? Like, why, why isn't this working? And could I have just been, been able to say, well, these, these people, they're not, you can't fix them. They're just going to have to live with that pain. And I I thought about it and I experienced a really bad bout of back pain, uh, when I was in college, when I was swimming and you would think as a swimmer, you're super physically fit, a very low impact sport. How would you hurt your back? And the thing is, is as a swimmer, I spent most of my time horizontal and because I was spent most of my time horizontal, when I was out of the pool, um, there's a lot of other factors, running, walking, carrying a backpack, even sitting in school. And I was in so much pain. I was in so much pain. I could barely sit through my college class. I remember having to leave class being like, I can't sit through here. And I didn't mean to be rude, but that's, I literally couldn't do it. And um, interestingly enough, uh, within 12 weeks, I actually fully recovered. And so it made me start asking like these really big questions of, can I do any better? And then, so over the years, as I've accumulated my knowledge, I realized that the recipe for pain relief, especially when it comes to low back and sciatica, low back pain and sciatica is to focus on the stretches, exercises, any positioning to focus on actually addressing the pain itself. And once I made that paradigm shift and set up, okay, you have backhand sciatica, here are these 15 different exercises that I know uh, could be helpful. I slowed down the process a little bit where when I work with my clients, 
I asked him, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about how you got hurt. Cause then that way we can figure out the mechanism of injury. But then also a very crucial question that I asked is, well, what positions or movements make you feel better? Because that is actually going to be the driving force on how I treat my clients. And that's how I consult with people. I'll say, what, what things make you feel better? And this may seem really simple, but if you can identify those things that make you feel better, you have, like, you definitely should um, do more of that. And the activities that actually make your pain worse, you have to do a lot less of that or modify it. That's a, it's, and so th- those are the, the two most important things. And I found that when I started asking those questions, what makes you feel better? What makes you feel worse? Um, I give my clients or give people a lot less exercises and stretches to do, which means they can do said exercises and stretches more often because they don't have to do a grocery list of things. Um, but then also two people are getting better in one visit, two visits, three visits versus 12. And mm. what was interesting was that like, you know, most, most physical therapy clinics would be like, well, actually that's bad business because you're getting people better way faster than normal. And I said, well, that's why people come to us because they want to live pain-free and why, why like from a business standpoint, hang on to the fact that this person's in pain and collect our money for 12 weeks. If I can get this person better in two to three weeks, why not? No one has time to live in pain and uh, for people to experience and like suffer, that really bothers me. Now I think pain and discomfort, I think discomfort is very crucial for us to get better and push past limits. But when it comes to actual pain where your back says, no, something's wrong, or you're having sciatic pain where it's traveling down your leg, that is actually going to stop you from doing everything else that you love. And if it's that simple, most of the cases, it's that simple. If we can simplify things, then why can't everyone experience something like that? So now I'm starting to adopt that. That's where my head is at now. It's like, we have these two major questions. And then the big theme is like, why can't people live Mm. without this pain? So let me ask you this. Why are most people in back pain? What is your, in your experience, the common cause and or, um, and symptoms I think that there are, uh, we can, we can categorize the back pain inside. And then to be clear listeners, um, you can have sciatica pain, which, which is pain that goes from your lower back and can travel down the back of your leg and below your knee. Um, but then you can also have back pain itself. Um, the interesting thing is that the causes are very similar, um, and the treatment can be very similar. So this is something where I can cover both, but the, the two, there's two very major causes of, of, of back pain and sciatica. One could be, um, due to a trauma, um, either you're in a car accident or you're picking something up from the ground and you're, you're out of position. So that's one. Um, and then the second part is, um, back in the day, it used to be called overuse where you're just doing uh, overuse or repetitive motions. But, uh, I challenge that notion. And instead of just repetitive motions, it's really, uh, poor inefficient mechanics of, of the body. And so, uh, an example would be, uh, if you ever, if you ever when when traveling was, was really big, um, if you ever put, uh, a package that's over 50 pounds, uh, on the luggage weight, they're going to slap a sticker that says, 
uh, heavy, heavy baggage. And they're going to do two pictures. There's going to be a picture of a stick figure trying to carry a heavy package. And you'll see that that person's torso is straight upright and their knees are bent. And they're in that image. The goal is to have you pick something up without a rounded back because rounded back, when you're picking something up with a rounded back, you're just not very efficient. Um, it's like trying to pick, it's trying to push something when you're all loosey goosey and yes, you can get the job done, but it's inefficient. And when you're doing things inefficiently, it's going to cost a lot of energy. It can cause a lot of wear and tear on your joints, on your different structures. And so those are the two major things, uh, in regards to like full on trauma and then also, uh, just poor mechanics in general. So if you're doing something, and, and, and so then this brings up the next question of how can you tell you're doing something uh, in like a poor way, uh, from a poor biomechanics way? And really the big thing is if you're doing something and it's excessively hard and you're like, man, my back is working a lot during this, then that's going to be an indicator that your, your body is moving relatively inefficiently because of the fact that your spine muscles, your trunk, your core is used to stabilize. It's used to resist motion versus trying to facilitate motion. And so you're already creating these inefficiencies. Uh, another cue if you, to indicate that you're moving inefficiently is if you're trying to do something, whether it be lifting something up or even just bending forward and you just feel, man, whatever I'm doing right now, just feels straight up wrong. That is a cue that your body's moving inefficiently as well. You don't have the opportunity. You're not in the position to be able to exert force at its best, which means that all that extra work and energy gets placed on your joints, specifically your back. So that is uh, that's inefficient movement. It's one of the very big causes of, of back pain sciatica. And so the presentations of back pain would be so uh let's just be clear the low back is the area below your ribs so and the area below your ribs uh which is going to be your L l1 l2 l3 l4 um l5 and then it sits right on top of your s1 uh which is your sacrum so anywhere between your rib cage and your and your uh your pelvis is your low back so back pain itself can be uh it can come off as stiffness you can have a sore back you might feel a sharp pinch you could also just feel a general achiness in the back itself. And that can irritate the sciatic nerve, which is the nerves that ex, uh, exit your spine, um, L2, L3, L4, L5, um, S1, all the way down to S3 is where the nerves can exit your spine. And from there, uh, any sort of poor mechanics of the spine can actually irritate any of the nerves when it exits the, the spinal column itself. Uh, which can then irritate uh, the sensation that you feel on the back of your thigh. So the back of your thigh is your hamstring, uh, maybe a little bit into your butt as well. Um, but interestingly enough, the sciatic nerve does split at your knee and it splits at your knee. So it supplies a sensation for your entire lower leg, which is the knee below. So if you ever have knee pain or shin pain, that could be core, um, with the presence of uh, a backache. It could be related to the sciatic nerve and your low back. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, that was a very long-winded explanation, but I hope that kind of made sense. It de it definitely does. It wasn't necessarily long-winded. It was okay. it was uh, educational. Is one of the reasons why people there's so much more back pain today than there ever has been is 
is it because of diagnosis and we know what to look for and people are aware, more aware of it now, or is it because, and, or is it because we're sitting longer and moving less? I think it's a combination of, of those, of those, of those components where um, I think, especially nowadays in 2022, people are much more aware of what their health is. And so being able to identify, well, what are the biggest obstacles preventing me from being at my utmost health and being healthy and happy, a big component is, is, is pain relief. If you're in pain, you would be in a very different state in health compared to if you were out of pain. So as people are reevaluating their lives and their health, identifying back pain is going to be much more present. Um, and then with the fact that um, it's, we're, we're, we're in this interesting dynamic of, trying to be more active and the majority of our jobs, unless your job is requiring you to be up on your feet is being a relatively sedentary job. And what I would say, instead of saying, uh, you probably heard this term, but sitting is the new smoking. I'm going to push that a little bit further. It's not just the fact that you're sitting, it's really more so being sedentary in a specific location, uh, in a specific position. Because if you're spending all day standing up, you're going to develop your own orthopedic issues if you're spending the entire day st uh, standing up. And the same thing if you're going to be sitting all day. And the key is, is this diversity of movement and of positions. And Unfortunately, because of us as human beings, our responsibilities as people in society, whether it be work, being a provider, being someone to, uh, to, to care to care for a child or for, for a loved one, um, all of those actually have demands. And it, it kind of puts us in these positions, again, these positions. And if you're in a position for a long period of time, you're going to be a little bit more prone to having some sort of, uh, some sort of ache or pain or injury. Yeah. Um, good answer. And I would uh, add to that and say that, um, you know, the, the variety in your positioning throughout the day is key and uh, emphasize it because you did say that. But um, I've had clients that, you know, jumped on the bandwagon of standing desks and even treadmill desks where they had literally treadmills that would go at a speed of like 1.5 miles per hour, just a very slow walking pace while they were able to talk on the phone or use their computers, um, which was all great and good intentions, but they'd come back a couple of weeks, three weeks later and be like, my knee's hurting or my back's hurting more or this and that. And I had to kind of evaluate it. And I realized that again, like you said, one position or one way of doing it is not as good. So had to kind of come up and, you know, intuitively without anybody really telling me is like, do it intermittently, like sit down on your chair for an yeah. hour, stand up for an hour, sit down on your chair for an hour, stand up for an hour. Like don't just be in the same position uh, over time, because as you said, you know, standing for eight hours, 10 hours a day is going to cause a whole nother skew of, of injuries and pains. Yeah. It's like, the, it's like um, eating carrots. Uh, You'll turn okay. orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You eat enough carrots, you're going to turn orange, but you eat more of that, eat more of that, you're going to strain your liver, you're going to strain your pancreas because you're getting just like so much of that specific nutrient. So yeah, um, for it's another analogy for your listeners out there. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. So um, and I mean, it, it's really it's an, it's it's astounding to know how many people have back pain. And I think um, 
you know, I, I had back pain. I had very severe back pain. I had back surgery, L5, S1, herniated disc. Uh, again, I said, I, I told you off, off the recording, but I was doing too many crunches. I was doing working all the mirror muscles and not the stabilizer muscles. And I needed to uh, have the surgery to really save my, my quality of life and to get back in the game of doing what I was doing. This was after I created Posture Perfect Program too. This was like two years after. So, uh, you know, I was, I was this posture expert Meanwhile, you know, I, I'm walking around with back pain. I, I have to hold on to something and support myself. If a sneeze came on, uh, my bowel movements were as good. I had a, you know, a lot of constipation because I couldn't push um, through. And I think it also, you know, having those uh, some certain pain in certain areas of your spine, it shuts off certain nerve innervations where, you know, that you take for granted, your spine is full of uh, and a miraculous nerve uh, root. And so some of those can be impinged or imp impaired or, or even shut off completely. So it was really challenging, but fortunately I, I did have a great surgeon and I prehabbed and rehabbed myself. And here I am uh, 18, almost 18 years later, uh, living pain-free. Um, and it wasn't always that way. You know, it was maybe five years of still moderate pain, like you said, 90%, 95%. And then I went into therapy and the therapy um, I, therapy for a, a heartbreak and, you know, something that uh, a lost love and something that I didn't even entirely think would ever heal myself from back pain. I knew it intuitively. I knew it educationally. I read about it. Sometimes back pain and other types of pain could be psychosomatic and, or, you know, pain could be stored in your body in certain areas, especially weak links. And when I went through therapy and I started uncovering all these things, I woke up one morning, didn't have back pain, which was unusual and woke up the next morning, didn't have back pain, which was even more unusual. And then I recognized after a week or two, I was like, wow, I don't have back pain. And it didn't dawn on me like, oh my God, it was the therapy. It was like, it had to be like, there was no other, nothing else that I was doing differently except that. And I was releasing, I think a lot of tension and stress that was being held up in my body. And um, I now manage my stress much better and let go of things and talk things out and don't hold on to feelings and um, allow myself to be vulnerable and authentic. And it's really helped. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to, to realize that and experience like getting out of that pain because you were in it for, you know, a number of years and I think what a lot of people think, it's like, oh, Ashley, you're a physical therapist. Your specialty is high and low back pain. You must be really against back surgeries and, and everything like that. And there's definitely a place for surgery. Um, and that's actually, whenever I work with my clients, I tell that I, I go through a little clearance list to make sure that they wouldn't be a candidate for, like, for surgery. So, I mean, things that I've heard already, it was like, constipation, like issues with going to the bathroom, like that actually is a very big sign that surgery could be a huge indicator. Um, and I'm not one to tell someone that they need surgery. Obviously you need to go to a surgeon and get that evaluated, but, um, being able to understand that there is, there's a, a gamut, there's a, uh, endless amount of people, uh, who are out there trying to help you, uh, who's suffering from back pain or sciatica. And there's many different ways to, uh, address a problem. And, um, being able to address the surgical side, but then you bring up also a very interesting point about the concept of what you're carrying emotionally, psychologically. And I'd love for you to share on that, if you can. The psychological aspect? Yeah, yeah. The psychological and emotional aspect of it. You're like what your experience has been with that, whether it be personally and professionally. 
Yeah. I, I, so um, there's definitely a lot of things that separate us from animals. And one of the biggest things is our ability to express and feel uh, emotion and retain memories. And a lot of our emotion is tied to our memories and what we remember. So whether it be a heartbreak, whether it be someone yelling at you at work. And the thing is that the same responses that the, the physiological, physical responses to a heartbreak, someone being really rude to you or creating like this invisible stressor, someone yelling at you or like um, someone cut you off on the freeway. Um, I'm going to pause. I'm, I'm starting to adopt West Coast lingo. I call it freeways now instead of highways. Um, but someone catch, cuts you off on, on a freeway. Um, do you get the same physiological responses as if someone's chasing you down the street with a knife? Um, so the thing is, is that when you experience these stresses, your body tenses up and the major areas of where people create tension will be their neck and their upper traps, uh, as well as their low back. And these two areas, because they are located around your spine can in fact create and build pain. And what that also does when you are stressed, you are on heightened alert. So you're going to be very sensitive to every electrical impulse, every sensation in your body. And so when you have, when you carry these emotional challenges, it increases your sensitivity to everything you're feeling combined with the amount of tension that you're creating within your body. And so being able to go through therapy, being able to express your feelings and even have an outlet for your stress you're going to be able to release that, put your body in a much more relaxed state, reducing your sensitivity to your pain, and then also reducing the tension that you're experiencing in your back. And if the tension in your back is facilitating your pain, your pain goes down even more. Very cool. So you'd say if you're, if they're listening, you know, definitely seek out uh, some psychological uh, help, you know, a therapist, uh, maybe a group or friends, just talk, talk things out, try and get your feelings out, uh, share, don't hold on to stress, get out, exercise, move your body, even in ways that don't cause pain, just getting out in nature, even if you can't move that well, sitting in nature and breathing, meditating uh, could be all great ways to release stress. Yes. I find ways to really stress, find things, activities, uh, or even things as well, or experiences that bring a big smile to your face. Um, you'll, you'll be surprised. And, and one thing that I thought was really amazing, powerful during your, your presentation over at Canyon Ranch was this concept of your, your body positioning, or even just like putting a big smile on your face that actually melts away the tension. Like your physical actions can in fact drive how you feel physically, but also emotionally as well. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I another kind of cool share. So I got a, uh, a new car, uh, not too long ago, a Tesla and it's black and I just never had a vanity plate. Uh, but I was like, this car needs a black plate license plate, you know, the classic. So in California, if you're listening from somewhere else, there's the white license plate, which is standard. And then a black license plate that, um, you have to pay a little extra for. So I was like, I want to do that. And I want to have a vanity plate, but I don't want something cheesy. I want something kind of cool. So I thought about it for like a week and there aren't many vanity plates like left, you know, so you got to go onto the site and 
put them in and try them out. And I came up with one that I now have, which I love and I get complimented. One woman actually a couple months ago, like nearly cried when we were out of the car and she kind of told me how it made her day. And the license plate is, and see if you can figure it out, S M L E, the number two D Y. Oh, I like that. Smile today. I love that. Smile today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I bring it up because smiling. And so when someone's behind me, I remind them to smile today. Love that. Yeah. I thought it was cool. That's a a much better cue. I'll I'll drive by people randomly and just wave at them. And then they're just so confused. They're like, why is this guy waving at Jordan? (laughs) Um, But it's just me just telling people to have a great day. That's awesome. I love it. You have that positive energy. I'm sure they'll get it after they realize like, what's this guy doing? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So, um, so you were telling us, uh, you were telling me you have a a new, new program, but you also has a digital, um, uh, business that you're now working and able to share with the audience that perhaps they can use to uh, find out, you know, more about the back pain and assess it and fix it. So tell us about it. Yes. So the platform I'm running is called ifixyoursciatica.com. Um, I wanted to make it super clear in regards to what I can do to help you. And on that website, there are a ton of resources. I have two eBooks, one specifically built for sciatica pain, and the other eBook is built specifically for low back pain. So if you are really interested in reading, um, you can get those PDFs off my website. Uh, I also have my own podcast, which actually covers all things sciatica. So if you are listening and you really like to listen to podcasts, it's called the Fix Your Sciatica podcast. And then I also work with clients uh, virtually as well. So if you live in Marin County, we can actually meet in person. But if you live throughout the U.S., but you want to work, we can actually work together via Zoom um, and we can get a lot done together. But what I'm also really proud of is that I've developed this program that actually walks you through the same process that I walk my clients through uh, without actually having to meet me in person or virtually. And it's called the Sciatica Protocol. All you need to do is go on to my website, ifixuredsciatica.com slash the dash sciatica dash protocol. And what ends up happening is once you fill out that form, you actually just text someone like me and you're going to be walking through the entire process of trying to find the right stretches that would work the best for you. And as I said earlier in today's episode, I'm not going to give you 900 different things to do. We are initially going to find out the positions and stretches that provide you the most relief because that's what you're here for. And then from there, we create a game plan and you're going to be checked on every single day until you're better, which the goal is to get you better as quickly as possible. And what's even cooler about this program is that it's free. All you need to do is just fill out the form to make sure that you actually can benefit from this program. And then boom, you get your first set of stretches within the first 10 minutes of starting. Amazing. You don't get that much value usually with something free. So uh, I definitely highly recommend that. Could you spell sciatic for people? Because I think it's a little challenging uh, a spelling and I, I, I want to make sure people get it. And we're going to have that in the show notes anyway. Yes. It, um, so sciatica, very interesting word. Um, S-C-I- a 
T-I-C-A. Um, so what's its origin, the Latin root? Do you know? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Mm. Um, I will research that. That's a, that's a good, that's a piece of homework I'm going to write down for myself. Let's see. Yeah. Um, sciatica, Latin root, the Latin meaning sciatica. The name sciatic came from Latin from Greek, isciadikos, which means subject to trouble in the hips or loins. Interesting. Huh. Yep. So huh. even way back then, way this, back was then. A, this was a challenge for people. Interesting, oh, right? So interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's a... Uh, very cool. A lot of power in knowing origin of words as well, especially when dealing with the, the human body. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, Ashley, anything else you'd like to share with our audience to promote yourself, to brag on yourself, to give people a kind of a, give them something that they can walk with that walk away with that might even be of more value than the value you've already provided for us. If, when it comes to treating your pain, whether it be sciatica pain, low back pain, shoulder pain, anything, when you are in an active state of pain, everything you should be doing at that point or at this point should be reducing your pain. So that's the key. You can figure it out yourself because just like I said before, you do more of the things that actually make you feel good. You do less of the activities that make you feel worse. And then you run with that. But it's also important for you to advocate for yourself. So if you are currently under the care of a physical therapist or uh, another professional and what they're providing for you isn't causing you, like isn't helping you that much. You have to speak up. Definitely let people know that it's, it's either helping or not helping because then it actually provides them a lot more information in regards to what is going to be the best for you. I definitely am a huge proponent of oversharing. I think communication is a very important part. So even you're telling your friend, like I'm going, you know, going through some of this pain, um, just being able to share that with someone is going to be really, really helpful. And you definitely do not have to suffer alone because there's so many other people in this world who are suffering, but there is hope for you to recover. And the great news is that you have it at your fingertips. Yes. Awesome. Outstanding. Ashley, I acknowledge you for being you, uh, this bright, smiling beacon of education and uh, knowledge and wisdom in an era, in and around the area of sciatic pain and back pain and just physical therapy in general. Um, it is, it's been a pleasure to get to know you and I am excited just to continue our journey together. Uh, you know, I think this relationship is just at its beginning. So, you know, thanks for being on. I'd love to have you back again, share more of your wisdom and knowledge with us. If everybody listening please check out the ifixsciaticpain.com or I fix, I fix, uh, I fix your sciatica.com. I fix your sciatic.com. Yes. I fix your sciatica.com. Sciatica.com. I fix your sciatica.com. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't look, it's, very easy, but I, I kind of screwed up, but all good. Check it out. We'll have that in the show notes if you're getting confused now. But thank you for listening. And please, if you haven't yet, if you've been a listener and you haven't yet rated the podcast, please do on Apple. And if this is your first time listening, one of fans of Ashley's, rate it. 
let get the message out. Let more people find it on the huge, vast library of podcasts out there because Ashley's knowledge here, we do not want it to go out into the into the abyss. We wanted to make sure we land on someone's ear so that they can get fixed and feel better. So thank you for doing that and ter- doing that and sharing that time uh, with us. And thanks for being here. Until next time, stay healthy, well, and live pain-free. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you.